New ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Praveen Kapale. Praveen is the Signal Company's Professor of Management and Professor of Marketing at the Tuck School of Business, Dartmouth College. He was the Associate Dean for Tuck's MBA program and is currently the Chair of the Marketing Area there. He received his PhD from Columbia University, MBA from Indian Institute of Management in Bangalore, India, and undergraduate degree in Production and Mechanical Engineering from Osmania University in India. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is my pleasure. Thank you. In previous interviews, I've talked with people whose businesses help pipeline user-generated reviews and content onto websites and consumer insights researchers who look at the power of micro-influencers and real people reviewers. And I've even interviewed people about how Amazon book reviews and the optimal star ratings play into how books perform on Amazon. So when I saw your article about how deep learning could be brought to bear in this ecosystem, I was really intrigued. So first, to set the stage for listeners, can you share with us the two questions you sought to answer? Right. Online reviews, they are a very important source of information for consumers. And these are all human written reviews. So the two questions that we try to address are, can machines write reviews that are as engaging as human written reviews, i.e. can machines write reviews that are Mm human-like? And second, can machines generate a synthesis of reviews? Because the first one addresses the issue, if you go to Amazon or Etsy, there are thousands of products without any reviews. So can, can a machine produce an unbiased review? I'm not talking about a fake review. Can, can a machine write an unbiased review for products which don't have reviews or even a description of the product? Second one is in Amazon, there are products which have thousands of reviews and, and no consumer has the time or energy to go through all those reviews. Can machines produce a synthesis of those reviews. Those are the right. two main questions that we try to address. Can you give a sort of idiot's guide level explanation about how deep learning neural networks can be trained to learn how to accomplish this thing? I know that is an interview in and of itself. So really just highest level, give people an idea how it works. Yeah, very, very, again, great, great question. And, and, and that's, that's the heart of where we are talking about here. In in fact, Dartmouth College was so excited about our project. They actually applied for a US patent based on our technology on our behalf. So, you know, US patent pending. And the way it does is the machine, we first train the machine, the the category that we use is wines. So we trained the machine on 125,000 wine reviews. So you might say, how does how does it do it? First, we feed the machine what's called as a metadata. So when you look at the when you look at a machine, there are a bunch of metadata like the name of the wine, the points rating of the wine, the author of uh, author of the review, the price, the variety, geographical region, the winery, alcohol content, category of the wine, and the date, and so on. So these are this is this is called metadata. 
Mm-hmm. And then, and and the 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 neural network algorithm, it's some it's something called it's called a transformer architecture, very new architecture that came out of the computer science department, and that has what's called as an encoder and a decoder. So this encoder looks at this metadata and it reads the review, and mm-hmm. it tries to map this metadata on the review, but machines cannot understand language. So what it does is it converts these words into tokens, which are essentially numbers. Right. And then it tries to say, what it, let's say the, the review is with some metadata, and then it's, it, it starts with the word uh, this, because it has a probability distribution on all the words. And Transformer has an encoder and decoder in multiple layers. Each layer has multiple nodes. And every node in one layer is connected to the node in the previous layer as something called as a, as a softmax function. We don't need to go into the details of those functions. And what the softmax function, another name for it is logit function. This mm-hmm. logit gives the probabilities on word. The data in, helps generate the most likely probabilities for the sequential word. In fact, the, the one that comes closest is Google Translate. How does one language translate to the next language? So it based on probability in terms of like this is this word. And so first it says this and randomly it picks a word, this trash. But then it compares that with the actual review and said, oh, trash is not the word. And it updates it. It says, okay, maybe in, in this, given all this wine metadata, the next word should be blush. So that says, oh, in the next iteration, it learns from it in the previous reviews. And it says, hey, maybe after the word this, I should use the word blush for this matter, not trash. So, so then this is a, this seems like a very iterative, long process. How much time does it take to train the system? Is it a year? Is it a month? The complexity of it, depending on the complexity, it takes a while. Our contribution is just changing this architecture. Nobody has trained machine on reviews. And that's our contribution to our code in such a way that you're able to tweak it. How discreet is it? How narrow? Could I take what you've trained on wine and apply it to shoes? Or is it really, you could use it for wine, but we're going to have to train it again. No, I completely transfer. We just have to change a few parameters in the model. In fact, we are actually now in the process of using it in the in the medical field, actually. We are oh, interesting. In, in hospital readmission rates. The training data set has got to be in a format the machine can understand. So if you can get your shoe reviews into that format, then, then that, that that's all that matters. It's a very, very free-flowing format. The strength of our technology so far, all along things have been based on objective values. We combine both objective values as well as the textual data. And then we try to map all, all of this into, in, into write a review. So our technology is quite transferable to many other categories, including the medical field. So we, we have the two questions you sought to answer. Let's dive into each question sequentially, and we'll start with the headline. Was the machine able to write a wine review? Absolutely, 100%. Even I was really surprised at how well it was able to write. When you asked if people were inclined to purchase the wine based on this machine-generated review, was there a difference if they thought the review was written by a human or a machine? There was no significant difference. First of all, there are, two, there are two key questions that we asked these 500 people. Each one saw randomly selected 14 reviews. And the f- first one was like a Turing test. That is, whether are they able to distinguish machine versus human written review? And they were not able to distinguish machine versus human, human, human written review. Mm-hmm. Second, we asked them based on this review, how likely are you to buy this wine for you 
or as a gift, there was no significant difference for the same wine and the review was written whether by a human being or the machine. Well, so wait, I want to just make a little bit of clarification question for me. So this means that if you are one of your 500 people read a review and they indicated, gee whiz, I think this review was generated by a machine and that review that they had identified, whether or not it really was written by a machine, they believed it was written by a machine. It made no difference in the purchase decision. No difference in the purchase. Exactly. So the other interesting piece here is that not only could the machine write the review, and this is about wine, which is a kind of a snooty experiential thing, but humans were perfectly willing based on this review that they believe to be written by a machine to buy the wine. I think that is really quite interesting. Is, yeah, but they did not know it was written by a machine. Or not. They just told him based on this review, would, would you buy it or not? Well, but they, yeah. I, what I'm saying is had they, was it the same review, for instance, you gave them 14 reviews and let's say yeah. they said review number one, I believe that was written by a machine. And when asked, would you be, would you buy the wine written, that review, review number yeah, one? Yeah, exactly. They would sell. Yeah, right. So they had sell, whether or not it was machine generated? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, irrelevant. Yeah. It's their yeah. belief there. It's their, it's their belief. Yeah. It's their belief and would you buy it? They said, yeah, there's no difference. Yeah. So there are all sorts of questions I have about application and consumer reaction and ethical considerations. But before we go into that, I'd like to hold that for the end of our conversation. Yeah. First, let's talk about the second question you were exploring. And that was if a machine could write a review synthesis. And did you find that they could do that? Because that isn't dealing with professional reviewers. That is dealing with a training data set, which is involved with, with regular people reviewers. And their words are, I would imagine, much less predictable. Absolutely, absolutely right. And that was the other fascinating part of it that it was able to see. So this is beer reviews, which we collected 140,000 on ratebeer.com. These are regular people writing reviews of beers and we applied the same technology and we said, well, can you, can you read this 10, can you read these 10 reviews for a beer and synthesize it for us? And then we gave people, 750 people, we told them they'll see 10 reviews for a beer followed by a synthesis of the review. And, and each person saw three sets of those. And for each one, after they read the 10 reviews and the synthesis, we asked them to what extent this synthesis captures the ideas in these 10 reviews well on a seven point scale, where one is doesn't capture the ideas at all. And seven is captures the ideas very well. The, the mean level was significantly higher then even 4.5, the average was more like 4.67. That shows that this machine was able to capture the synthesis pretty well, despite us actually uh, doing not a great job of synthesis. Again, we just gave the machine, based on the learning, just gave this metadata, which was the rankings that people gave on, on various dimensions for the beer. And we just gave the machine the average ranking. And just based on that metadata alone, it was able to synthesize really well based on the learning that it did. And right now what we are working on is making that even, even better. Even, this itself is very good, but we're, we're, in our next project, we're trying to make it even better synthesis. Similar to the question about consumer preference, when people believed the synthesis that they were reading was generated by an expert versus generated by a machine, did they show a preference for the expert? So the question is here, there is the, the, here there was no expert who provided the synthesis. There were only individual reviews for the beers. That but were they, were they told it was, so again, we're going oh, we to so perception, yeah. perception, 
the the importance of perception versus whatever really is going on. So I, I believe if I remember properly from reading it is you had all of them were machine synthesized and you told them in some cases that it was an expert and you told them in some cases that it was machine. And then in some cases you didn't tell them anything. Right. Not experts. And in one case, we said it's a beer enthusiast. In one case, oh, it's a in one case, we didn't say anything, but as soon as we told them it was written by a machine, even though they're all written by a machine, their rating was significantly lower. If, if we told them it was written by a beer enthusiast, the average rating was 4.83, which was significantly higher than for a machine, which was 4.6. Well, and that's fascinating given the different finding from the wine study. The, I, I thought that was really interesting that their their belief that an enthusiast has some sort of special insight as opposed to how they actually objectively rate the review when you didn't tell them what it was at all or their view about a machine. And I think it goes back there. We told them, you know, some of it, they said, you know, this review could be, could be written by a machine or some were written by a machine, some were not. Can you tell us to what extent? So even though they, they believe it was a machine, they knew that they they could, they, one way to think about it, they might say, hey, I might think it's a machine, but there's a chance it could be written by a human being. So, uh, they, you know, they, they are willing, they might be willing to cut a slack. But here, if we object, if we told them, quote unquote, objectively, this is written by a machine, they don't seem to like it. Right, right. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I, I thought that was really, really interesting. Okay. So now that we get to dive into some of the, I mean, first of all, the technology is amazing. Let's just cool and amazing. Congratulations on your patent pending. That's fantastic. But as I was reading, I almost immediately thought of some ethical considerations, not so much around the summary reviews because there's high utility and they source information is is human, but with regard to review generation. And do you think that there should be some ethical guidelines or policies about how machine generated content should and can be deployed in this context? So, uh, in specifically the review, the review context, for instance, advertisers can't, you know, gee, my my product will actually make you get younger or whatever. There are certain basic guidelines so a consumer can understand it. Do you believe that they should take one step back? Let's say if I go to a restaurant and I see a bunch of wines. And when I go online, there's no review. I just have to rely on the, the, the expert or the waiter in the restaurant. Now, if, if our technology can give me an unbiased review of this wine based on all its learning, that's information from, for me. And, 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 and the key there is the, the, the unbiasedness part of it. That it is so one the machine, there is no machine is learning from all other wines similar to that and saying, this is my best guess based on my learning. Mm. So as long as the learning, the training and learning data is, is, is appropriate, then the output is quite appropriate regardless of whether it comes from a machine or a human being. But should you be informed that it came from a machine? In the interest of full disclosure, in a way, you know, it's in, in the gray area in advertising, for example, you see all the images in print magazine online, they, they airbrush it. Right. And then, but they never say they are airbrushed, you know. They'll say that this is a paid actor, not a real doctor. It should also say it's very unbiased because it is learning from all the, based on all the vines like this, it is, the machine is giving you its best guess about the review. So 
that would be a full disclosure that I would provide. So another question, because wine is is an experiential thing, taste and texture, you know, all of it, but full bodied, what have you. They can write a review that is is believable. Did you test it in terms of somebody tasting the wine and saying if it was accurate? It's a great question, Gabriela. That's exactly the project that we are working right now. So in this first of a kind research work, what we tested out to do is a Turing test. Turing test is, can a machine do human-like activities? And, and we wanted to ask, we asked the question, can machines write human-like reviews? And the answer was a resounding yes. Mm-hmm. Because it was a resounding yes, now we are writing a follow-up research work now in terms of accuracy of that. That's why right. in research right. work, we stayed away from the word accuracy. We, right. It was believable. Not- it was compelling. But was it accurate? Yes. Whereas but your yes. synthesis is it when we have to really separate those ideas because a yes. synthesis, you're presuming that these you're you're making it very clear. This is a synthesis of real human opinions. And and the only inputs are these these opinions of of people's experiences. So you had your your data inputs are experiential. So then it is accurate. Or are you testing the accuracy of that? I mean, I guess then how accurate is anybody's opinion? So, 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 the, so that's why that this, this, the, the, both the results of that, that you're alluding to gave us a confidence now to test the accuracy on the first part. How accurate are, are the works? So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that a year from now we will have that interviewed and they can comment on how accurate, ah, how accurate it is. And and with the second part of the project, right now, it looks like machine was able to reasonably accurately synthesize the reviews. And what gives comfort in that, you know, we have we used a very crude, very coarse way right. of, 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 summar, of summarizing, of synthesizing. In fact, that's why we even stayed away from using the word summary because it was not even a, exactly a summary. We just gave an average ranking. And right. we, did not, we did not even create any big metadata. Now we are trying. We're in the new work that we're doing. We're gonna be a much finer version of summary. And our expectation is that that is going to be even better representation well, or more accurate representation of the reviews. What's interesting is I I immediately imagined how this would apply in a retail landscape like Amazon, as you mentioned, so many Absolutely. reviews. But I would find it very useful if within the star scale. There was a summary, like people who who gave it five stars said this, people who gave it one star, this is the summary. Because oftentimes the issue that people have is consistent, both positive and negative. The thing that people are responding to. So you as a consumer are able to say, oh, I I don't really care about workmanship. I I just want it to be fit me or whatever, whatever the the product is. So you can then decide. So I also had a question in terms of writing a review. If I'm an individual reviewer, this is sort of down the line, is could the tool learn to to write in a voice, if you will, you know, writers, reviewers have voices and or or does it trend toward a central blandness? Like no, if we you know it, it will learn the author's voice. That's one of the metadata. Who wrote it? If we have the author information, machine can learn the voice of that person and imitate that voice. Oh, amazing. Well, because, you know, the metadata is the, is, the, is, the, is the reviewer identity. So having worked in digital publishing and also advised some vineyards and smaller eateries, I know that budgets are always really, really tight. So when we're imagining 
this as a tool, is this something that would be packaged and scaled to offer subscriptions? Or is this something that every individual company would be able to access on their own? What do you think in terms of just sheer cost? Not very many people, unless they have deep pockets, have data scientists on staff, right? Right. If you're able to commercialize it and so on, then it could be a subscription basis because right. we have the technology anyway. We, you know, we, we have all we we have fed all the data, and they just feed in the metadata. I can easily see this output going to that company. Here is here is what we will say about your product. So it'd be easy for us for us to do it. Right. Well, review synthesis, again, it strikes me as so useful. And I think there are a lot of large organizations that could deploy it right away. But I'm wondering about volume. How many existing reviews would need to be present? Do you need a certain level? You need to have 50, 100 reviews in order to generate a, a nice synthesis? Or does it not matter as long as you right. have more it than does one? Matter. That, that's a great question again. It does matter. We tested that in our in our research as well. That's one of the things that all these neural networks algorithm, they require a lot of data. Right. I would say it would require a minimum of 100,000 training, 100,000 training data, 100,000 reviews to start with. To start. But once it had been trained, once it had been trained, and does or it does it have to be trained per category? Or oh, could it be no, it needs to be trained for it needs to be trained per category. I see. Okay. It needs to be trained per category because the the language in each category is different. The language that you use for shoes is different. Right. Um, One of the suggestions or ideas about what what uses this could be put to, you talk about product description. And I was wondering how much effort around inputs would be necessary. Sure, you don't have to write the product description, but how much human effort is, you know, well, it's made of real leather or whatever. How much of that work? Because again, if we're thinking of scale, yes, Etsy is a large marketplace, but it's made up of lots of teeny vendors who don't necessarily have a lot of bandwidth to, you know, and is the difference in effort between creating a, a full-on description different from metadata? Yeah. Good, great question. So what you see, let, let's say this is deployed at uh, no, Etsy. So Etsy has so many reviews already across all categories. So if we have all of the data, we can we can train it on all the data and then we can write our description for any category that falls in, in, the, in the set of categories that Etsy already has. I see, I and see. It, because it has so many reviews already. So the so machine is going to not, not only machine can also learn across categories as well too. I see. And, and then, and, and so you essentially you give hundreds of thousands of reviews that it has and we'll sort it by category and so on. It'll all be trained already. And you just, you know, if, if a new retailer, if it's a teeny weeny small retailer would come in, here is my product, then we can spit out a description right away. Well, you know, I, I've got to tell you what I immediately wondered was, could the same technology be deployed to generate marketing emails or social media posts? Because I think oh, people would fall all over themselves to have that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, talk, you're talking about, you know, virtual influencers and so on. It's all based on right. the, 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 the training data that's out there. And it can it can produce very nice posts based on all the other posts it learns from. I look forward to knowing how that next study goes. I want to yeah, know, I, I, <laughs> I want to know about that. That's what you're working on right now. And we are trying to apply that in the medical techno medical field as well. So I'm fingers crossed. Uh, we're talking to a large hospital that is willing to give us 
two years worth of patient data from 600,000 patients. Why they were admitted? What was the treatment? What was the doctor note say? Why and, and wow. when they discharge? What did the doctor's note say? So we'll have the, all these doctors' handwritten notes are all sitting there and no one is analyzing it. But our architecture well, that analyzes. would be fascinating. If we get the data, we'll be able to predict if, if let's say a patient is is discharged from a hospital today, we'll be able to predict what is the probability this patient will be rehospitalized, and uh, we can also we can also predict the most likely reason why they'll come back to the hospital, uh, so that they can they, we can take some interventions and stop that readmission. Wow, that's a, that's amazing. That's amazing. Of course, then you get the ways issue where you as you make your interventions, you change your data set. But anyway, yeah, you know, then then will the machine will learn even otherwise. That that's a whole idea. The whole idea is to reduce the rehospitalization rate. So this has far-reaching implications outside of the reviews that we're talking about. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been so interesting. And obviously I could geek out about it forever, but we have come to the end of our time. So thank you so much. Anytime. This has been a great conversation. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.